This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics and the Medical Director of the Center for the Advancement of Youth at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Back to school. That brings pleasure to some and dread to others. Back to sleep issues, deadlines, time constraints, and school avoidance. Or you can make life better by making it a positive experience for you and your child. Today we'll talk about the things that you can say and do to help with the back-to-school blues. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about back to school. That brings pleasure to some and dread to others. So we talk about back-to-sleep issues, and I mean going to sleep at a reasonable time. Those deadlines, time constraints, school avoidance that starts very early sometimes in the school year. How do you make it better? How do you make entering back into school from the summer a positive experience for you and your child or for your grandchild or for those who... You know, and teachers out there, what can, what do you think parents can do? We'd love to hear from you about how back to school cannot be anxiety provoking. Um, I know there's some parents out there who are ready to get back, to get the kids out of the house, to get them back on a schedule. But to avoid those bumps of back to school, What do you need to do? And we'll talk about some of those things. And I want to hear what you think is the best thing to do. So you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So do you remember being really happy about returning to school Or were you one of those who just dreaded things? The happiness maybe came from not being able to see friends you missed over the summer. Or you you really do like the schedule of school. You love the learning part. You felt isolated in the summer. Or was that dread at the beginning of school from... The four schedules, all of the sudden, you had no time to just be free. Uh, maybe there are bullies out there. The lack of, of time to, to play. Um, do you set, did you feel set free in the summer and then school was sort of the start of prison again? 
Um, so today what I, I really want to do is talk about the things that maybe we say incorrectly as we are trying to help our children understand why school is so very important and how they need to get back into it and and what we can do to maybe pre-prepare. So there's some some highlights on the preparing before we get into the things not to say. And um, it's interesting how um, as I was going through these, the things not to say, I think many of us inadvertently do, thinking that we're saying the right things. So to prepare, sleep schedule is probably at the very top of any list of preparation for back to school. Um, It needs to be set as the way school schedule will be for at least a a week before school starts. That may be hard, and for some of you, that is right this minute. You need to get started. You can make a gradual change if you have a couple of weeks, um, and what what is a reasonable good thing to do with older kids not younger kids but with your older your preteens and teens talk about what's appropriate what you expect discuss a fair schedule remember your child who is every year getting a year older that maybe bedtime adjustment needs to happen a little bit maybe that 7:30 bedtime could be moved back to 8 and still allow your child to get enough sleep um so also look at how much time does your child need as far as sleep goes we've talked about that on this show several times um most children need somewhere between eight and ten hours of sleep some teens need more than that and they don't get it um some little ones don't need naps in the middle of the day anymore as we think so you need to look at what's going on with your child during the summer do you note a better mood in the summer is it because of the stresses or is it because school's out and there's increased sleep going on. You're not going to bed later, struggling through homework and extracurricular activities, and you're allowing your child to maybe sleep a little bit later. If that's the case, that extended sleep is what has made your child's mood better, think about how you can make school better. The same thing goes for eating schedule is sleeping schedule if um, when your child gets back into school they're going to have lunch times at 11 30 um, is that sort of where things have been in the summer probably not so find out what the meal schedule and snack schedule is especially for younger children and try to make sure that you are sort of getting them used to this Also, try to adjust um, how you plan lunches. So if you pack lunches for your child, it's a good time to sort of talk about a healthy lunch, what you're going to pack for lunch, how you would pack for lunch, um, maybe how to make uh, mealtimes better for them, packing for lunch better. You don't want them to come home with a full lunch bag because they didn't eat anything. Um, So you have to be firm about healthy food, but at the same time, allow your child to have choices. So 
often letting them shop with you is a good idea. And then the third big category that I think you need to keep in mind as you're preparing for school is that electronic withdrawal. Um, Certainly, most of our children, grandchildren, acquaintances, students, all are out there spending quite a lot of time um, electronically, either iPad, iPhone, uh, television, um, Netflix, whatever they're doing. Um, so look at how much time they're spending. We all know that the Academy of Pediatrics recommends uh, very limited time, um, screen time. We also know that the majority of children spend somewhere, somewhere when allowed, uh, between seven and nine hours of screen time. That's a lot. So you need to really regroup about that. Obviously, in school, they'll spend some screen time um, on their um, laptops. Many of them will. Um, Many of them will spend time researching things on their laptops. Um, But what do you think is a reasonable thing after school? Um, on their phones to to discuss that, to know that it's okay to limit that, um, and not limit it for study, obviously, but limit it for the recreational time. So, to to look at that. So those are those three big, huge areas of preparation. Now, as we move through the show, uh, I also want to talk about, we've talked about change um, in previous shows, and I want to talk about how difficult a move or a school change can be for a child and maybe how you can help adjust your child to that. And also I want to talk about the things that we say that sometimes only invokes further anxiety when we think we're doing a good thing. So I would love to hear from you, parents, on your how you're preparing to get back into school or teachers out there who perhaps have some recommendations, maybe some retired teachers out there who, who have seen as children enter school some of the difficulties that they have and, and maybe what they wish parents would do to make things a little bit easier with the transition from summer to school. Um, give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. I have to before we go to our first break. I have to tell you a little story about my husband. I was asking him, "Did you really dread um, going back to school?" Um, every school year, and he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. The summers were glorious. We engaged in all kinds of free play. I was outside all the time. I kind of forgot how to write. And um, and <laughs> so getting back into school, he said sometimes he would look at his hand and say, that right hand, and say, now I know you can remember how to hold a pencil. So I don't think that occurred quite as much once he got into high school, but Sometimes we do allow our children to let their minds and bodies go to sleep during the summer. So it's time to wake it up, um, shake things about, make sure you have everything together. 
So we'll go on to our first break now. We're talking about the back-to-school blues, what to say and do, and how to avoid them. When we come back, we're going to talk about how parents sometimes say things incorrectly when they're trying to motivate their children. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back after our first break. Listen to stories and shows. Go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. This is Relatively Speaking. Today we're talking about the back-to-school blues, what to say and do, how to make things work for your child so that as they re-enter, this may be your grandchild or you may be a teacher who is hoping that parents out there are getting prepared So as we go through, we've talked about sleep and eating and electronics. I'd love to hear your ideas about how you've prepared for that. Um, Now we're going to talk about what parents want sometimes to say, but what they really say to their child and how maybe we need to work on changing our words. So join in the conversation about the back to school blues. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. All right. So um there's a book um called The Happiness Track that um, I think has lots of good advice about um, staying on that track, staying happy about things, um, and how to get your kids in the right direction. And I want to go over a few of the recommendations out of that book. I completely agree with um, how sometimes we say things um, that are undermining to success when we think we're helping. So let's talk about it. Children do better and, and they feel happier when they feel supported, right? When they feel like there's somebody behind them and someone who believes in them. It's really important for kids to have good goals and all, but it's also um, difficult when you're trying to express the way you think our children should be. So what we tell our kids is you need to focus on the future. Remember, if you're going to have a future, you need to do this, 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 and this, right? Um, what we really should be telling them, and I tell uh, adults and children this all the time who have a lot of problems with anxiety, is live in the moment. Live in the here and now. Learn to enjoy what you are doing. Try to focus on what is happening now. And don't worry so much about what will happen in the future. If you give your all 
in the moment, if you work and try to enjoy, you don't have to keep your eyes on the future prize. So keep that in mind. Do you think that you do that sometimes? You talk so much about the future that you find that you and your child perhaps are worrying about what's going to happen next. So if you're constantly trying to focus on the future about getting good grades and that big college that you're going to get into, it'll only cause greater anxiety and fear. So stop talking about college. Yes, you can say that you expect your child to go to college, but stop talking about if you don't focus, you won't get into college in the seventh grade. Talk about enjoying what you're doing um, and if you find your child is not enjoying the learning process see if you can figure out why perhaps um, everything is faced as a chore and perhaps the homework seems like a punishment or that book that they have to read seems like a punishment how can you turn that around how can you make that into more of an interactive type activity so that you can find the joy in your child's learning. Let me make a suggestion to some of you out there. If you are in the den or in your bedroom watching hours of television and you tell your child to go in his room and do his homework and not to bother you, what do you think is going to happen? especially with all the electronic media and connection. Um, they're likely, one, to resent um, what you're doing, and, and two, perhaps not to really focus on the homework. So to, to try to let them know that you're supporting them, find out what they're learning in history right now. Talk about it. Reinforce that learning. Find out what they're learning in geography. Pull out a map. Look at it with them. Talk about locations and maybe places that you've traveled or that you'd like to travel and perhaps learning about that. If something comes up, do a search electronically about, gosh, I'd like to know more about that myself. Let's look into it to to find joy in the learning many times um, will be one of those catchy things that your your children will catch on to so keep in mind um, if your child is going to find joy in learning you need to find that joy too and let them know that the learning never stops it's always fun to know more about that learning process. So does all that make sense? I hope so. So instead of saying focus on the future, let's say focus on the here and now. Let's look at what's fun. Let's look at what's positive and, and move forward. And, and um, parents out there, have you perhaps used some of these techniques in your own home? How have you done that? Do you have any other additional suggestions about joining in the learning with your child? Uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. Okay, let's go to the second thing. Okay, we said, um, and I have been guilty of this one. What we tell our kids 
Stress is going to happen. It's inevitable. Everybody gets anxious. I just said that to one of my children. Uh, Keep on pushing yourself. What we really should be telling them is, yes, stress does happen, but we need to learn how to calm ourselves. Learn how to let ourselves calm down. Learn how to calm that anxiety. So, yes, we all feel anxiety and stress. That's okay to say, but not to say, get over it. Say, here's some things that I think might help you get over that performance anxiety, that test anxiety, those issues that you may be having in your life that you really don't know how to deal with. Um, 30% of teens have significant problems with anxiety in this day and time. What we need as adults, whether we're teachers, mentors, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or just those friends out there, is to help help our kids learn how to self-calm, learn how to take care of that anxiety, understand that it's not the end of the world, and to know that there are some things that they can do to learn how to self-calm, which goes kind of back to number one, focus on the here and now. Don't think about the consequences of this if this doesn't happen or if I don't get that. Focus on the here and now. Also, when you feel that stress... Um, Some of those simple things like deep, long breaths, Um, going and exercising for a bit, taking a walk, learn how to de-stress yourself. Now, often just being prepared will alleviate some of that, quote, inevitable stress if we help our child understand how to be prepared for things. So maybe to alleviate some of that stress, um, do this. Sit down and talk to them at on Sunday evening or um, maybe Friday um, on the upcoming week. What's going on? Do you need any extra supplies? What do you think you need to, to have prepared? Let's go ahead and get it together so you can enjoy the weekend or um, to make sure that everything's packed up as it needs to be for the following day. So instead of talking about get over it, you're going to be stressed, try to make sure that you are giving them some ways to handle stress. Our suicide rate um, is way too high. Medication use is way too high on ways to try to calm down. And we've also talked about um, the substance abuse use is way too high in our in our teens and young adults. And a lot of that is due to that stress that we haven't taught our children um, on how to deal with it. So I truly believe that um, we as adults many times are the cause of that stress and anxiety and we could help it if we just stop and think about what we're saying and doing, listen to our words, listen to how we say them, and make sure that if you say, yes, we have stress, um, you also help them know how, how they can deal with it.
So um, let's try to help our kids in that direction. Um, the other thing that I think we need to remember is is that um, another there's nothing wrong with being excited and fun and seeking new experiences, but when there is excitement like stress it really does tend to be exhausting and so then as we've talked about before that anxiety or stress kicks us in that fight or flight mode and it can interfere with um with sleep with diet with a sense of well-being so we need to make sure that um we're more likely to come up with those great ideas. We're more likely to be able to learn and imprint if we can diminish that, that stress and anxiety. Okay, we're going to talk about one more um, thing that we tell our kids um, often is um, we tell our kids to play to our strengths. And I've heard parents do this. What is your best sport? Let's focus on your best sport, right? Let's only play baseball because you are the best at baseball. Or, um, gosh, basketball, if you keep going like the way you are in junior high, you are clearly going to get a scholarship for college. So let's focus on just basketball. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard there is there 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 are some recent data out there that have have looked at what happens to those kids who focus only on one sport and many times other than the burnout and the the tiring of that one sport many times what has been shown in in some recent studies is that there is overuse for example if you have a child who's a great pitcher or a great catcher in baseball um the elbows and the knees are going out um the same thing goes for um other areas of athletics so the new information by sports experts experts for younger children is that what we really ought to do is keep them as diverse as we can not just in sports but in other areas even if you're not a great artist it's okay um it's part of creativity draw a picture maybe you're a great stick person picture maker do that it's okay not to be the best at what you do so we all make mistakes we all learn to fail is what we should be telling them try different things don't think that you have to be perfect in everything um you know, we've talked about pathways and what we do to our brains when we only focus on one area of learning. And so you have to be very, very care- careful and cognizant. Keep in mind the fact that if you don't use a pathway, not only does it not get better in your brain, but it gets worse. And you'll lose a skill set of um, doing math if you never practice it. Um, The same thing goes for um, doing a physical activity, um, learning new words, reading. Um, It's it's all over your life.
life. It's not just in one area. So let's quit telling our kids to pick a sport, pick a project, pick what you're best in so you can really shine as the very best. Um, What we're doing is creating a very narrowly focused individual. So let's try to make... Um, children who are broadly focused, who are more creative, who are more comfortable taking a chance, taking a risk, and realizing that it's okay to stretch themselves a little bit. So with that, think about it. Again, I'd love our listeners to join in the conversation. We're going to go to our next break. And when we get back, we'll keep talking about some of those things we do or say that perhaps is not the right preparatory time for our children. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. We'll be right back. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. Thanks for listening. We really do. I want you to join in, though, on the conversation. We have open lines. We're talking about... Back to school blues, um, the things we sometimes do or don't do that is not that are not helpful for our children as they are going back into school. I uh, want to hear from you. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. I was just talking to Michelle McAdoo, our producer for the day, and and she was saying um, that she was surprised people weren't calling in. And I, I think many of you are listening. Many of you have thoughts or ideas, and maybe some of you are a little bit anxious about what's going on. Um, I know that we have um, lots of kids out there who have been bored for the summer, um, as they say, but are not really ready to go back to school because they know they're getting ready to face those stressors. So how are you dealing with that? Have you gotten your sleep schedule back in line? Are you still struggling with the fact that summers are too short um, and you really wish that schools wouldn't start back as early as they do? Or are you one of those who just wish there were uh, around-the-year school with the shorter breaks like um, other countries do now? Would love to hear from you about that if you have some thoughts. So let's go back to um, some other things that uh, we tell our kids when we shouldn't. How about this one? It's a dog-eat-dog world. 
Look out for your number one. Make sure that you're promoting yourself. Make sure that if there is, um, if you're on a team, that you are being noticed by the coach. Or if you're doing a project, make sure that you take the lead and you get the credit for what you're doing. Make sure that um, that uh, you you're out there so everybody knows when there's something to be nominated for or whatever that you're noticed. Is that the right thing to be telling our children? Or should we tell them to show compassion to others? Research really does show that from childhood on, our social connections are the most important predictor of health and happiness and longevity. So making sure that instead of saying, look out for yourself, it's a dog-eat-dog world, um, the lessons we should be teaching are those of kindness, of friendship, of helping others, um, of um, feeling that um, other people care about you and that you care about other people. So there's that give and take that's so very important as, as we're moving along. So I'd like to hear from you. Tell us what do you think are some lessons that maybe you weren't taught um, that you plan to teach your own children or maybe that um, you feel like children need to know and they're not being taught by their parents at this point. Um, so the other thing as we're moving along, um, likability is one of the strongest predictors of success. So um, in a dog, let's think about it. We've had a lot going on in the news media lately on the fact that there really isn't um, a lot of likability with some people who are out in the forefront right now. Um, so... It says likability is a predictor of success. So what you want to do, how, how can you be a likable person? What is a way to be likable? Well, the first thing that you can do is, is teach a child how, how to be a friend. Um, and probably the best way you can do that is to be a good model. Um, teach them how to listen teach them how to um, do for others, teach them how to be willing to take care of someone else. And so that likability um, is, is one of those give and take issues that's important to, to come through. Kids are not all, but the majority are naturally compassionate and kind. And what happens as we move along is many times children um, let go of that com- compassion um, because of the fact that they see models that are not showing compassion at all. And so what, what happens in that model that we are giving them that takes away that love and compassion that is sort of one of those natural things that we should be out there with. 
um, why do you think that we have what people keep talking about is the generation me? Um, why is everyone so internally focused? That's a question I want to throw out to you. What do you think? What are we doing wrong? We have Kathleen in Oxford. Um, uh, Kathleen, you have some comments about failure. Yes, um, I'm a teacher. I teach elementary school, and I see a lot of children who are afraid to fail, afraid to make a mistake, um, not talking about failing massively, but um, just learning from mistakes, and that's how we grow. So a lot of students you know, construct new knowledge and new understandings, but... I think we want to protect our kids from failure and the disappointment and the emotions that go with it. But there are some valuable lessons to learn from failure. Good. Good point. And that's a big one. I think parents, we all are so intent on protecting our kids and making sure that they don't feel like they weren't the best and make sure that they don't fail, that sometimes we don't allow them to learn from mistakes. And I know that's what you're saying, right, Kathleen? I agree, yes. You know, there's been a lot of question um, along the lines of, of sports when you're talking about failures and the like. And, and that is the, the question about should every kid get an award? Should every child get a trophy? Um, and so um, I, I think that that's one of those issues that has long been a uh, uh, problem and a question. But Kathleen's point is a, a really good one, and that is that um, that in our desire to make our child okay, um, feel like a success, feel good about themselves, that we are not allowing them to learn lessons in life that, that you can't always win. You can't always be the best. You can't always make the highest grade. Um, and it's okay if you don't. It's the best part is that you tried and that you tried your hardest. So that's one of those lessons that we need to remember as we are um, raising those kids it's okay to fail as long as you tried your hardest. I hate that word failure. Um, I think it's okay to attempt. And if you don't end up the best, then that's okay. All right. Well, let's go back to the phone. Zach and Jackson has some comments about high school. Good morning, Zach. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to say, like, when I was in high school, you know, a lot of the pressure from other kids, more than anything, was what really stole your confidence. And I think what's really important is to remind people when they're going through high school or junior high school, even at that, is to remember that even if you are kind, um, a lot of times when you are in high school, it is rejected. But when you go into society and you're able to blossom into yourself, it really actually becomes a part of who you are and you just you actually are able to learn more about yourself at that point and you actually realize that you are more accepted by society for your kindness. Zach, um, your point is such a good one because many times um, you'll see that some of the more popular kids in school are sort of the mean ones, the the haughty ones who um, who, for whatever reason, think that it's cool to treat 
children badly. And um, but that eventually, like you said, um, will come come back on them. And those are the individuals who typically aren't the most successful individuals in real life, right, Zach? And yeah. and I, I also. Um, you're right. So many times those kids who are the kindest are the ones who perhaps um, end up either being bullied um, for being so nice and kind or end up not being on the popular track because they are willing to allow someone else to succeed and may even help them for success rather than trying to gain all the glory. So um, you're going to end up with a better child, a more successful child um, in the end if you do. And, And Zach, I think the other thing we need to remind parents is to help a child who's trying to be kind and feels like they're getting some backlash because they're maybe hanging around with a kid who's not so cool and others are laughing at it, yeah. to, to remind them um, about what a good thing they're doing. Right. Um, creating resilience, creating um, the, the nurturing back is so important. So, Zach, did you feel like you had some experiences in high school where you you were not as kindly treated as you should have been? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all through high school, but as soon as I left and I went into college, everything got so much easier. It was, you know, you were able to really find your group of people that were like you, and you're able to start moving forward. It builds your confidence. You start improving with your work in school. You have more confidence to find a job. It just makes you more successful all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially in, in small schools, sometimes the your, your friends are limited. And so it is hard, um, especially for bright, kind individuals who maybe aren't the same as everybody else at school. It's, fi- it's difficult to find your niche. But I think the message for our kids is to remind them that this gets better. This goes away. And, and uh, Zach, that kind of message from a young young man such as you is really important. So I hope you'll share that with others. And and if you have uh, some young um, individuals that you're around to, to remind them that it gets better. Because Just remember that your uniqueness really does create you and it carries you a long way in life. You will be accepted. Perfect. Perfect words. Everybody remember that and say that to your children if they feel like an outlier at times. Zach, thanks so much for your call. That's an important message. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening. Okay, Ron from Tupelo. Ron, thanks so much. You had an important lesson I want to hear. Well, I had to. Um, I grew up, I'm 64, I grew up in a small town in northern Illinois. And I remember the first day of school. Mom drove me to school, and um, she said, um, I just want to say you're going to have a bunch of kids in your class. They're going to be all different nationalities, all different colors, not like you. She said, but I want you to remember, Ronnie, they're all just kids, and you treat them all the same. And, you know, I'm sitting in the pastor seat saying, well, why is she telling me this stupid <laughs> stuff? You know, you know, of course they're all kids. I know that. But, you know, looking back on it, it was a very important thing to say. 
And the other one, um, my, I was with my dad at a service station getting car serviced. I was probably nine or ten years old. And I overheard this mechanic that was working on the car talking to dad. And he was evidently trying to get dad to come back and go out to some pub bar with him a little bit later. And I'll never forget this. My dad said, um, I don't go anywhere Ronnie can't go. And that has really stuck with me. And when I had a child, I basically, my wife and I, adopted that same policy. It's best if you're a parent. If your child can't go, you really don't need to go there. So I'll just say that and let it go. (laughs) Two great, great uh, lessons from your parents that probably seem sort of mundane and but they registered and and Ron you're 64 yeah. and those are still hanging with you and I don't know oh, if yeah. you've even talked about them before uh, since then have you no Okay, so, but they were deeply embedded in you. What a, I just want to reiterate your mother's um, comment to school. How old were you when she talked to you about that? You know, I I started first grade a year. I barely missed cutoff, so I was seven years old when I started first grade. So you remember that from the time you were seven. Listeners, I hope you're hearing this, that things that we say and do very early on mold and shape our children. And and Ron's mother, um, I, I really would like for everybody listening to ask yourself, have you ever talked to your children about treating everybody the same as you or different than you um, with equal respect and that different can be good and that you should be accepting. Have you done that? Because if you haven't, it's really important. And we're talking about color, race, cultural differences, but also disabilities. Keep in mind there are many children out there with disabilities, right, right? who get made fun of in school because they have a limp or a lisp or some sort of other issue. And you know they're all just kids. They're all just kids. They all want to be accepted. They all want to be loved. And I think that if we had more parents out there like Ron's um, who made sure that that they not only made a statement, but then if we all model the that very issue if we the the very point so that it it's not worth much right if you say um everybody's the same treat everybody equally but then you see your parent um do something snide or make fun of someone for something so to keep in mind not just to say the words but also be the model is very, very important. Can I add something? Yes, please. Okay. My dad was a World War II vet. He fought at the Battle of the Bulge. He was in Patton's um, 3rd Army, 5th Division. There was a boy in our class, first grade through as long as I was in that elementary school. And he was not black. He was a little bit lighter than black. He wasn't Caucasian looking. Well, I remember the first PTA meeting where the kids went. Um, his dad was a really big black dude, and his mom was a little petite blonde. Um, turns out 
she was German. They had met during World War II and gotten married. And although my dad grew up in Mississippi, dad would have um, fought anybody that criticized them. And you have to keep in mind, this was in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, it in the South. Just a more common thing. But, you know, dad made it very, very plain. He's a veteran. You don't criticize. Very good. And I think that if more of us would stand up to individuals who who um, display bigoted behavior for whatever reason, then I, I really do think it would stop. Um, so don't be a bystander. Um, speak out if you think there's something negative going on like your dad did. And um, that way we'll honestly, I know I sound a little preachy. I'm sorry. I can't help it. We'll have a better world. So I really appreciate you calling back, Ron. You um, lend it a lot to the show. And uh, I appreciate all our other callers who called in about the back to school blues. I know we kind of got on. Um, lessons that we should be teaching our kids as we are going back to school. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Today's show was engineered by Michelle McAdoo. Our call screener was Jared. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I hope you guys will join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. Listen on podcast. If you miss part of the show, you can go to our MPB website. Stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.